Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, but I'm originally from California and living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. I am Alex Sure. I am proudly representing the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I wanted to talk about a tricky topic. You know, this is a one that's been around for a while and it just keeps coming back up. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk about uh-huh. cultural appropriation today. Yeah, it is tricky. That is the word for <laughs> it. You know, I've talked about this with a lot of people. As an expat living in China, it's an unavoidable conversation. It's, it's, I had to talk about that a lot when I was in the States and it's harder for me and you know, without sounding judgy or saying who's right or wrong, it was harder for me to talk about it when I was in the States than it is to talk about it hmm. back home hmm. in China. You know, I did an episode uh, of Vlog. I'm a vlogger. And uh, on my channel on uh, Douyin, actually asked. I was I was wearing a Kung Fu Shan. And this is like a, a you know, like uh, a cheap how kind of for guys. And it's a really yeah. long, all black <laughs> with a white, Great analogy. white collar and has the little ties on the side. It was made by... The guy who makes them for actors and actresses in Beijing. So I had a professional do it. I didn't just buy it off the rack or on Taobao or something. Mm-hmm. And he, he measured it to me. So I look really good in it, actually, in spite of the fact that I'm a little tubby. <laughs> but, you know, like it, it looks really good on me. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm so cool. So I actually wore this and I went to like a Chinese location in like this uh, mm-hmm. former minister of state's uh, mansion, which is uh, part of a museum now. And I was in a gazebo, you know, one of those Chinese gazebos. I don't know what really what they're mm. called. It looked like part of a temple, but it wasn't a temple. It's her backyard. <laughs> yep. And I'm standing there and I ask, hey, guys, I'm wearing this, these clothes. And, you know, what do you guys think about that? You know, I'm a uh, white American guy and I'm in China. I've been living here for X amount of years and I'm, I just got my first piece <laughs> of Chinese clothing. What do you guys, is this okay with you? And the thing is about this is on this particular platform, all my fans are Chinese. I have like, you know, uh, 35,000 fans on this one particular platform platform and i said hey please i want you guys to tell me what you think about it you know is it okay for me to wear this and like i got resoundingly very positive like yeah you look so cool you should wear that in all your episodes kind of comments (laughs) it was like almost all it was like 99 percent very positive that i Mm -hmm. as long as i was being respectful and stuff that this was like good to go and i should like show this off and show my you know love and interest in china using this as like a vehicle. So, you know, I don't wear it all the time because that would be weird. (laughs) But um, I do wear it on occasion, you know, like if I'm going to some kind of special Chinese event or something, I'll try I try to wear this thing uh, so that I can try to look cool. But I want to bring up an interesting news article. This is, I think, four years ago now. Yeah. There was a, a girl at a prom in high school in America. Who wore a Chipao dress? Yes. A, she wore a red Chipao <laughs> dress. And uh, she got just bombed, like, in America by, like, people. Hey, that's not okay. You can't do that. That's cultural appropriation. And I remember being in China when this was coming out. And Chinese people in China were looking at each other like, what? what, what? What's wrong with that? You know, she's wearing a pretty dress. Is, why is this bad? Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of confusion like 
on both sides of the Pacific. So, Alex, in enters Alex into the conversation. <laughs> what am I missing? What's going on here? I think it has the whole cultural appropriation concept was heavily a result of you know uh, racial disagreement. Let's say in the United States, and mm. a lot of people. That are taking part of you know most of the uh, conversations that are related to cultural appropriation happen between um, you know the black culture and other cultures in the in the United States mm, specifically mm, white mm, culture, mm. Um, and it's a it's about a group of people that used to be the oppressor, which is I think it's a very you know proper mm, word mm-hmm, to use mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. terms of American history, right? Mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. absolutely what they like about a culture that was deemed much lower than the almost inhumane than their own culture, taking the part that's fun they like mm. and not really representing that culture. Like you're misrepresenting mm. the culture mm. that mm. you you put in a miserable place as a result of slavery or, or you know, um, uh, oppression. It's kind of overlooking the whole part of why this was um, a part of something that you want to do in the first place. And it's kind of like really careless, not careless, but it lacks, you know, this consideration um, and responsibility um, when you look at another culture. And that's why people are unhappy with, you know, certain artists or some people just trying to look cool or trying to make it as of a part of the fun thing to do without really acknowledging mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or correcting what was wrong in history. But I personally, I feel like it's a very different matter when like people in the West just wear a Chinese dress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, I've talked about this to um, my friends that are from the UK, from the US and other part of the world. For me, it's like you want to wear, you don't, you want to wear a traditional Chinese clothing item feel free to like i don't think because you're not wearing it to make fun of us that's that's all we care about if you're doing Mm -hmm. it to be like look how stupid his dress is then we're like all right there's a problem Mm -hmm. but if you're like seriously you're go she she wore the dress to prom she didn't wear the dress to i don't know like a clown show right yeah even you wear it for halloween I wore, I wore Tsipao dresses for Halloween, like myself, because they're like, <laughs> I wanted to be a Chinese princess, you know, like, but I didn't have the other costume that would make me look like a princess. All I had was the Tsipao dress. And so mm. I wore my own, you know, clo- own dress as a costume. And, you know, no one came up to me and be like, you shouldn't do that. You know, it's like making fun of your own culture. Not really like people dress up as who they want to be mm. on Halloween, mm. you know, and, and for the girl, I'm like, the prom is is something probably super important to her in her life. And she, I'm like, you chose a Chinese dress because you think, because everybody tries to dress impressive, right? right? Yeah. To the prom and try to impress their date or try to just have a great night, a fabulous night to end their high school, whatever. And she picked the Chinese dress. And I'm like, that means she acknowledges this different aesthetics you know i was like Mm, mm. i don't really see the problem i didn't see the problem back then i still don't see the problem of that act right now so you know to that little girl i'm like good for you and you know if you like chinese culture keep exploring i think it's uh you like you said it's extremely complicated you know 
race is a very delicate thing in America because they have a history, right, of enslaving one race, enslaving another race for hundreds of years. I've talked to a lot of like black Americans who are living here in China and they've told me about like how they feel about cultural appropriation is about respect. Yeah. So oftentimes it's okay. You want to wear your hair in a certain way. That's fine. You're doing that as long as you're doing that out of respect. And they told me the story of a person they knew who wore their hair in a a typically it's called cornrows. It's a typically black style. Yeah. And they were like, okay, that's fine. You know, but then the same person who, who was uh, uh, not black wearing their hair in this style uh, then said, oh, I have a job interview, so I have to take it out of the style. Yeah. That they found really offensive because yeah. they're like, okay, now what you're saying is, is you you think it's okay to look black or look cool and put your hair like this in some context, but when it, when you're going to the special like uh, instance where you, you want to look your best, you're saying that this is not now not appropriate yeah. and that's not okay and now I don't really like it when you wear it in other contexts either because you don't have the appropriate respect for the and value for this this style and so that that shows that the way that you're wearing it is in a disrespectful way yeah and so I think that's very very you know well put and interesting and you know I think this also for me you know specifically as a white person it's it's more it's very important for me to listen to other people about when things are appropriate <laughs> And when things are not appropriate, because, you know, it's white people that are have been in the position of the oppressor. Yeah. And so I do I do try to ask, yeah. you know, actively ask other people about what they think about different contexts and different when are these things okay? When are these things not okay? So that I am very careful to step in the right place. Yeah. The whole you know, the whole incident with that, you know, the Tipao dress um that she wore to her prom. Mm. I guess Chinese people in China and then uh, Chinese Americans in the States had very different reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Chinese Americans felt like that was being disres- uh, disrespectful because they mm. took part of their culture. And while Chinese people, you know, in China were just like, we don't really care. We love it when foreigners wear our dresses. Like the same reason why your Kung Fu shirt was really well received by people that you met that day when you were shooting your vlog. Like if someone I helped... I personally helped a friend picking because he couldn't read uh, Chinese, but he wanted to wear the Kung Fu shirt. And then he bought a Kung Fu shirt and Qi Pao dress and whatever, all of these things for his family mm-hmm. as well. And he bought a whole lot of stuff before he left China. And as a Chinese person, I am just very proud of it. I think like, oh, you like our style. Matter of fact, we we saw... Um, there was a, a girl in our dance studio and it's a salsa studio. All right. It's a South American dance mm-hmm. that we practice at the studio. And it's a, a Russian girl who's learning a South American dance. And she wore a Tipao dress to the, the, the dance uh, practice. And I was like, that looks beautiful on, on her. It, it, and then she looks great in that dress doing a different dance. And it's, you know, I never, it was hard for me to see, like you said, if you're doing that, not out of malicious intention. I really don't know why we have to attack every action where people are trying to do something that's different from their own culture. to bring up a kind of different kind of example, and that's language. So I I, I oftentimes mm-hmm. go to the websites to read about this kind of stuff. This is very relevant in American culture, and it's, it's important for me to stay appraised on it because it's always developing. But one thing is, is that a lot of white Americans, they 
just see Asian as one big monolithic thing. Uh-huh. And so sometimes like people will see an Asian person and say something like ni hao to them. Yeah. And that's that can be deeply offensive to that person if they're mm-hmm. like Korean or Japanese because they're like, oh, you just think we're all like the same thing. Right. And so that that's, that's, you know, I think it's important for, you know, white Americans or just people who are not, you know, of a particular set of cultures to make sure that they're, you know, learning about these other people appropriately. And if they're going to attempt to speak the language with them they know that that person actually is of that culture and does speak that language so again it's a it's about being informed and being respectful it's a combination of both yeah speaking of that for me it's i I think people here who didn't i honestly learned a lot of ways that i could be offended after i moved to the states you know before i went (laughs) you know the whole the whole racial thing i didn't really know but i guess you have to know the historical background of how people were treated and so like for me a lot of those offenses offensive words and ways of talking and actions were bred in the united states towards immigrants it's not really like you know it's built against the entire um Mm -hmm. asia asian population on earth but as we go over there we start to see certain you know it's occasional it's very rare but you still see some sort of resentment from time to time Mm. and i've had those gestures you know slung at me um you know it's not too many times like once or twice it's still horrible but i i I know that if it's but i lived over you know i grew up in china Mm. i didn't grow up Mm. in the states i imagine it'll be very different for Chinese Americans growing up in a country and a culture that's not, you know, largely identical to mm-hmm. where their family mm-hmm. comes from. Um, and you, of course, you take on more of that alerted uh, mental state when you're interacting with people and you have to be actually really aware of what the intention is behind certain words or actions. Mm-hmm. So it's that's I, I think that's why when it comes to news items like the one that we're talking about, it's being received very differently by the Asian groups in America and by Chinese people here in here in China, because we didn't really grow up in that kind of environment. Like we are who we are. And this is mostly just just us. But that also contributes to the fact that when we have someone that's not from our culture living in our country, yeah. we're super forgiving. Like we're super tolerating. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you come to me and say, Oh, you, whatever. If you say my name wrong, and if you say where I come from, uh, a different place, I would just be like, Oh, well, no, that's not where I come from. Like, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you the right answer. I'll tell you the correct information. Uh, but after that step, then it's up to you to decide what you want to do with that information. Are you going to take it in? Are you going to process it? And mm-hmm. uh, remember that as the correct information tacked to this person you're talking to. Mm. So it's, I guess we're very forgiving in the first round of communication. That's why, <laughs> you know, that's why you lived in Beijing, Jason. So you know that yeah. a lot of Beijing people, when you first talk to them, they don't come off immediately as super friendly. You know, this is like the really perky personality. We're like, oh, hello, welcome <laughs> to Beijing. Like they could even come off like sounding a little impatient but if you really I'd say confident almost like <laughs> you know like I like Lao that Beijing around there just like yeah what's up yeah how's it going this is my town yeah, yeah. like we were <laughs> we were shooting this piece for uh, uh your news like a couple three years ago before the pandemic and the person that we hired uh he was a, he was a rickshaw driver hmm. and he's a total like a hundred percent like pure old Beijing 
Taiye, like you yeah. know, La Beijing Yeah. And he was in the beginning when he was talking to us because we we had to give him directions, and this poor guy has to he had to really pedal the rickshaw to drive the person around, and while we film it, mm. wow, pedal. He, yeah, it was the 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 one in Hohai, you know, those little rickshaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was like, he sounded like he wasn't in a good mood, but you talk to him for like just twenty more seconds, you realize he that's just the way he talks. Like you mm. have to get over that initial thing. Whereas, like in the states, if you if the first impression wasn't good, I felt like a lot of people just were just. Jump to the judging part of it, and maybe that's why I like New York a little better than <laughs> Los Angeles. It reminds me a little bit of of Beijing. Like people are not immediately nice, but it doesn't mean that they don't want to be kind to you. You know, but another thing, a little bit darker, you mentioned New York and I want to talk about something that is a little, uh-huh. it's terrible. Um, there's an increase in anti-Asian violence in the United States I right know. now. And I think that this, it touches on cultural appropriation because there is, there are segments of the population that are actively being racist, that are actively racist against Asian people. And it seems like most of the instances that I've read in the news, mm. these people have, the people who are hurting, like especially old ladies and stuff. I know, that's like, so... They, they have mental disorders. A lot of these people have like histories of violence, histories of jail time. They have history of a mental illness. There was a new a case in New York, because you mentioned New York, mm. just recently where a man pushed a, a, a lady onto the tracks. Asian lady off track. I saw that video. It was so horrifying. Apparently he had a very long history of like mental illness and violence. Violence, which doesn't excuse it. And the fact that he chose an Asian woman shows that, you know, there's active racism spreading, you know, among some people in the United States, which yeah. is which is a, a great tragedy. I know. Great I tragedy. saw the video. First off all, the New York subway is something that when I was there, I never stood I never stood like with nothing to lean on or hold on to. Cause we we knew mm. and people are always talking about the same act where some, you know, random person, whether it's because of personal reasons or this person is bothered by mental illness would actually push people down the track so whenever i am like waiting for the train in new york in new york subway system i always stand by the pillar or i stand by the 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 um the the uh the stairs where i could have something to hold on to just in case someone either pushed me or ran into me because mm. there's no protecting there's no uh safety measure between yeah. the platform and the track and and there has been so mm. many incidents incidences where um we heard about people either falling into the track or jumping into the track that stopped that stops the whole you know public transport system so i've always been super careful and i feel like it is absolutely true that because of pandemic there are a lot of a lot more exposure of this anti-asian i think that's not right the right way to look at it i don't think it's because of the pandemic i think it's because of the racist reaction to there being a pandemic especially by like exactly a certain group of people who we don't have to point out who were saying really racist things immediately as the pandemic was because 
you could have a pandemic that starts somewhere and say, oh, well, okay, let's have global unity and work t- together on this problem. But instead, yeah. this this leader and some of his adherents were like, okay, let's just start being racist right off the bat. That's going to be our reaction, and which is the cause. And, you know, I'm not letting groups like CNN, BBC, off the hook, MSNBC, Fox News. You are all culpable and responsible for spreading this vitriol and hatred by reprinting all of this stuff. It, it dramatically in- affected a lot of people across America. And it, for one, it makes me extremely angry that these mainstream media reposted this content and basically spread this. And then later they have another story. Oh, you know, we're really against anti-Asian violence. Yeah. I'm sorry. You guys are the perpetuators of this stuff. Oh my God. That is so, uh, well, like I know we're talking about cultural appropriation, but we're already on this topic. And I, I talked a lot about this in the peak of this whole, you know, anti-Asian uh, uh, mindset. It, I agree with what you said completely, because this whole anti-Asian sentiment didn't start with the pandemic. It has been in an American society, even as someone who lived there for just like, I was only there for five and a half years. So imagine if I was there my whole life, like how many different incidents I would have ran into. With me being there for the half and five years, I was oblivious to a lot of these things in the beginning because I either, you know, language, cultural, societal uh, uh, awareness background that I was lacking that probably luckily blocked a lot of those things. But even then we had, I've had, I've overheard conversations in the school bathroom of American kids saying, having these Chinese students in my class is so annoying because they drag everything so slow. Like I could have learned so much more if they were not part of the class. Like I heard that in the, you know, I heard that in the bathroom. Um, it's, it's, it's these things that have existed in the society for so long, but they're being exposed right now. Like media is kind of exploiting this thing as I, I, you know, I've worked in media for so long. We're, you know, technically sort of using this media platform, but I for me as a Chinese person looking at this, I'm like, it didn't start with with COVID-19. It started as soon as Chinese immigrants were, you know, first introduced to America in the, you know, the 1800s with, you know, the railway and stuff. It's just that a lot of people didn't really have an outlet. And this this COVID situation probably became an outlet for a lot of people to just lash out, to really let out what they were thinking about Asian uh, population in America before, and they couldn't say it, or they didn't find the, the the reason. There was no excuse for them to say it. And like you said, with all the media exposure of these things, you know, when you do, when you when you have a media exposure, it's always a double double edged uh, sword. One side, you could be like, oh, we need to raise awareness for this kind of anti Asian sentiment. The other side is some people will look at it and go, oh, see. That's what I thought it was like that. This is this is who they are. And they will go ahead with something that they've been pressing down in their mind for their entire life. Now there's a legit quote unquote reason for them to really just let it out. I also think like a lot of the media is sensational. And so like, oh, there's something happening in in China. So sometimes mainstream media will pick that up and say something that's not really appropriate. And what they're doing is fanning. See, because a lot of people don't have nuance, you know, like look at things carefully. Oh, they're talking about this aspect of something. So they read these sensational headlines and they're like, yeah, those that I don't like Chinese people too. And that really, really (laughs) negative, seriously negatively affects the entire social well-being of of the nation of America, which is something that happens again and again and again, really makes me like question like the integrity of 
of these people who are making media because I'm sorry, I know you guys want clicks on your like articles, but you have to really think about the effect that what you're saying is having on larger the larger society. You know, this actually for me, it ties back to what we're talking about today, because with media exposure or cultural appropriation or the, the reason for cultural uh, appropriation, it's both a result from uh, it's supposed you know, it's both getting to know something about a different culture from different channels. And it's about how you use that information that you could get. And then my answer, my, my answer to any question that um, relates to these, you know, either uh, phenomenon is that you go and at least talk to the people or someone mm, mm, that's actually mm. part of that culture that you're either trying to hate or like, or you're trying to take something from, you know, the culture, and then you do, you know, then you have more background, you have more, you know, credentials when you when you're like, oh, this is what yeah. I'm doing. You know, I want this. I like this. And why I like this, like, for example, for me, I do I dance, mm -hmm. I dance Cuban salsa. And we really like my dance studio sounds like a like a, a commercial placement here but my dance studio really puts a lot of effort into making sure that the students know mm, the history mm, mm. of wow, salsa yeah. dancing the development yeah how it evolved to like the different made the three major styles today and then we're like dancing cuban salsa here and so what is cuban salsa it comes from this and then what are these moves these moves are from you know cuban religions and they it, it's a it's it's taken from like afro uh, cuban people when they're working in the field like my, many many years ago and what do these spirits these gods actually represent and what moves is what and so like we have a very acute understanding mm. of what moves we are doing so it's not just like oh that looks cool i want to do it uh, you know it's it's i try to be more respectful to mm -hmm. the culture that i'm trying to to learn from for me you know it's it's more it, it makes me feel more comfortable with the idea. You know, China had never has never done anything bad to Cuba. So like yeah. that that's a that's one thing. So n number 2, let's look at the complete genocide of Native Americans, you know, millions and millions of Native Americans wiped off of a continent so Europeans could go live there. And so like yeah. if a white person wears a like Indian feather headdress, oh, this is highly inappropriate. That not a lot of explanation needs to happen for you to see, oh, wow, that's really bad. You just yeah. Now you're wearing the clothes of the people that you completely genocided off of the off the, the basic almost completely genocided off of the face of the earth. Eh, maybe not appropriate for you to wear that for Halloween, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, you look at these two examples, you know, China and Cuba have great relations. They don't it's not China's never hurt Cubans like salsa dance for Chinese people. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, you know, you're learning their history and the traditions and the cultural and the values. OK, a white person wearing Indian headdress, Halloween. That's a little so there's know. a whole other kind of context there. And maybe like that's it's not just about respect. It's also just about like yeah. the context in which we're, we're talking about these things. I always give people a second chance or, you know, I try to assume everyone had the best intention behind what they do. And if my thing is, if you did something or I did something, I've done it. I, we talked about me calling someone by their first name and they were like, you know, really offended by it. And it told me and I never called them by their first name again. Mm, Same mm. thing. If you did something not out of malicious mm, intention mm. and people corrected you or told you that that made them comfortable. Of course, people from the culture that is, you know, 
if it doesn't hurt you to stop doing it, then, you know, just be like, okay, uh, I that wasn't my intention. And that's it, you know? You know, one thing I have noticed here in China is like, I've been actively trying to learn like, oh, is this the appropriate way to like clink a glass together? Or is this the appropriate way to like, you know, uh, eat dinner like in, in a formal context with other, with your Chinese people and things. And I noticed that people give me a lot of like, you know, hey, you're doing the effort, you know, putting in the work. And a lot of people have been really, really, really kind to me for putting in the work. Mm. Yeah, like you're talking about with salsa. You're, you're putting in the effort to try to learn and value what you're learning. Yeah. And actually trying to progress in your understanding of that culture as long as you're going to be interacting with it. But I wanted to talk about something different. Yeah. I, I want to kind of go back mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of we use the word problematize in academics. I want to problematize what we're talking about. You know, the ancient Silk Road. Mm -hmm. The ancient Silk Road facilitated culture, technology, to moving across what is known as the World Island, which is Europe, Africa, and Asia. Yeah. So, like, things are moving around across the World Island. And so fireworks originally start in China, and they actually did use it for weapons before Europeans turned it into guns. And, And then it did move across into the Middle east and then up into europe and then it became guns Mm. and then like guns obviously made their way back and now there are guns everywhere but like this is just one technology one example of technology that spread around and like the the iron plow came comes from china but you know they were using that in europe hundreds of years ago now Mm -hmm. but it originated originated in in china and technology has diffused cultural values uh the way people have dressed and what kind of fabrics they're able to use and what crops yep. they're growing has constantly been moving around the world and it seems like you know lately there there are some very specific instances where there are obvious cases of appropriation where maybe that context is not appropriate now but there is a lot still there's still a lot of sharing where people i mean obviously like i guess jeans came from the united states mm-hmm. jeans are ubiquitous all over the world everyone wears jeans now i mean i don't wear jeans yeah. but you know cultures all over the world now wear jeans so it seems like you know there is a place in culture for style and technology to diffuse amongst people it just seems like maybe there are specific contexts contexts where this isn't the right time or the right place or the right way to have done that yeah it's it's there's so there's cultural appropriation that became i think a hot topic in recent years but i think in the history of human migration and just in history development in general no group has been able to survive solely on their own without taking anything or, or, or exporting anything to another culture or from another culture and that's like a cultural you know a lot of the cultures that exist today are actually cultural hybrids of their the the mainstream culture and whatever uh foreign or subcultures that it absorbed from and there's always that kind of um i think there's a term called like cultural uh hybridity Hmm. where you so like it's it's two cultures interacting with each other and then it's a mutually taking imitating and uh merging process where Mm, mm, mm. you could you could really borrow what's good from another culture what you know something from the other culture fits the philosophy of your own culture Mm. but they're doing something that you haven't done or you haven't thought of doing 
then you take that part and make it your own. And then your group are very, your group is very receptive to it. And that's how cultures, you know, evolve in, in human, human history. And nobody, I don't think anyone is trying to deny, you know, the fact that that is happening and the necessity of that. But it's about like when you take it or when you, when you export or when you judge a cultural behavior, is it again, is it just of the pure, you know, hybrid mentality, or is it actually you trying to do something to diminish another mm, culture? Yeah, or yeah, if you're yeah. trying to, I think you, you know, it. that's right. That's the difference. Like mm, mm-hmm. we've had Chinese stories being kind of adapted or, you know, taken to be introduced with the different titles or different names to the world. And, and it's not because they didn't want to keep the, the essence of the, the work it's because when you change the title or you change the plot a little bit you keep the part that's most essential to this story being a chinese story and you you introduce it to the rest of the world and that actually helps people have a better look at china there's an example um i don't know if you watched a play called um the chinese title is called the the orphan of the jaws it's a story from um this ancient um uh it's called the historical records with with capital uh, letters. It's one of the greatest, uh, it's, um, you know, there, we call it the four books, the four great books of Chinese mm-hmm. literature. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's one of them. And then in there, there's a story of the history, uh, sorry, the orphans of the Zhao family. And when it's being translated and exported, it, they changed the title to orphans of China. And a lot of people, like, if we're going to look at it as a way of like, oh, you change the title of it. And then you're trying to uh, generalize this, da, da, da. We, we would have looked at it with a really critical lens, but in fact, the reason behind that move is to make sure that it could be properly introduced to the rest of mm, the world. Mm, and and I think historically, the, the introduction of that work actually really influenced a lot of um, people in, the, in, in Europe and how they look at China. So... Well, you know, I want to talk about a kind of a different case where actually it seemed to have been appreciated. I grew up partially in this town for a few years, at least, uh, called Oakdale, California, and it uses the moniker uh, Cowboy Capital of the World, which is not really accurate, but (laughs) they are like modern cowboys. They have big trucks and big hats and big boots, and they wear jeans and stuff. Not really like the traditional cowboys, but like the modern cowboys, and they're cows. And uh, in the 1990s, I remember I was in like junior high school or something, and like uh, cowboy culture, not like modern cowboy culture as much, but like cowboy culture from the old West became really popular in Japan. <laughs> and so Japanese people actually paid people in Oakdale to bottle dirt and send it to Japan because it was so popular in Japan at that time that Japanese people were like, yeah, I've got dirt from like cowboy land. Yeah. It was like a hot commodity. So people were literally selling dirt to Japanese people, like shipping it to Japan. And people were in Japan were dressing up as cowboys and stuff. Not like, you know, modern cowboys with like a pickup truck, but like, you know, old West kind of cowboys. And it was really hot fashion and stuff to wear like all of the kind of stuff that people wore in the old West and like pretend guns and stuff. Mm. People were like, oh, this is so cute. You know, like, oh, <laughs> they really like our culture, our old style culture. And again, it's content. Yeah, it really is. And then I think, you know, with Japan being in this geographical location, 
in, on, an, on an island, the idea of cowboys running around on big open <laughs> plains was probably, you know, attractive idea for them. And they wanted mm-hmm. to appreciate that, I guess. You mentioned being a, uh, a Chinese person in America wearing um, chi pao in, uh, in America for yeah. Halloween. But, you know, Halloween is probably like the center pot discussion item that's an annual discussion point about like what is not appropriate to wear for Halloween. Yeah. And every year there yeah. are lots of different articles by different people with different opinions debating what is appropriate and what is not appropriate for people to wear for Halloween. It's not something where there's like a rule book somewhere and these are the official rules. And in spite of the fact that some people think that they do know the rules, in fact, it's a dialogue that society is having with other members of society. That's what I, I think that's exactly what I was saying earlier because you know a lot of people how they would like to in the States or it's becoming popular in China as well. They like to dress up as, uh, you know, for, uh, for Halloween, but in the, the Dia de los Muertos Mexican makeup thing. And then a lot of people nowadays are like, that's not really appropriate. Like, you know, it's a day of the Mexicans to mm-hmm. honor their mm-hmm. dead and the, dece- the deceased and you are just wearing it as a fun costume. And this is my thing. Like, again, does it hurt me to stop doing it? I don't think it does. And if it doesn't hurt me to stop doing it and it makes another group of people feel like I'm not you know unintentionally offending them for me i'm like okay you know i'll become a bunny or something <laughs> you can make a statement looking for a place you can lay your head and no one's there to control you making matters worse everybody's talking has a minute glimpse of hope that can fill you up and keep you on top Sometimes I'm like watching a YouTube video that's like 20 minutes long. It's informative about trains or something in China. I'm I'm in China. I'm just kind of curious, like, what do Americans think about China? So I'm looking at these things that get viewed a lot by like, you know, and so I'm or I'm I'm reading mainstream media. And like, you know, when I'm on like a main uh, one, I'm I'm thinking of the biggest two or three, you know, 24 hour news sites that everyone knows in America. And when I'm watching an article and someone says, mispronounces the name of a city in China or the mispronounces like, you know, the president of China's name. (laughs) My first reaction is you have no idea what you're talking about. If you can't pronounce the name of the place you're talking about or the person that you're talking about, you shouldn't be talking about that place or person. You have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I've seen, I can't remember exactly what article it was, but I remember the name of the person was completely wrong and it's about a government uh, policy, whatever. I'm like, you can't even get the name right. Like, what could I, what could I believe? (laughs) And there's so much of this it seems like these 24-hour news sites they always have something to say about like china but most of the time they have no idea what they're actually saying it's it's like i don't know where they get the news they have some person living in china maybe who like looks around and says this is how it is and makes big declarations and then they just post that like for millions of people to watch back home in america and it's just ludicrous how much of it's just 
very, very misleading about like the state of affairs here, whether it's be positive or negative. Come on, like, you know, learn how to say the names of places, <laughs> learn actually what's going on, put things in a, in, the, in context and, uh, you know, give different sides of stuff. Don't just make stuff up. Just some of the reporting is just really, really bad. I know. And, and it's, it doesn't stop at the news. I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. There's a, a new show called Kung Fu. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's based on an old show, yeah. I think I mentioned it. It's, yeah, so they made a new version of the show and it's made by, I'm going to call out, it's it's made by CW. And I know that it's it's supposed to be like soapy, you know, just people just watching it for casual purposes. So it's the show about a girl who's a second second generation immigrant, I guess, from China to the US and she's never lived in China and she made it into Harvard Law. And one summer break, her family was like, let's go back to China. Mm. And they magically brought her back to uh, China and she went to Shaolin Temple. Mm. All right, it goes <laughs> wild from there. Mm-hmm. She goes to Shaolin Temple in Hainan Province. Mm. And then in Hainan Province, the master of the temple, first off, was a female <laughs> monk. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she magically speaks fluent English. <laughs> All right. And what she, the what the master of the temple loves to do the most with this Chinese girl is to take her to the river and look at the beautiful scenery that is very, very obviously Guangxi scenery. It's Guangxi landscape. Okay. It's like yeah. Guili Mountains. You know, they're they're so identifiable. There's mm. no way it's wrong. You could make you could mix it. So it's like Shaolin Temple in Hainan province, not Henan in mm, Hainan mm. province, the tropical island with like Guangxi landscape. And I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> does this matter? Does this really matter? Could it be just any town in China and you have a Kung Fu master that she's going to learn from? Do you have to be so specific? If you want to be so specific, then be specific, you know? Yeah. That's when I'm, as a Chinese person, I was like, I don't know what you're doing with the part of your show that's about China. This is the same conversation we had about Mulan a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, where everything is like mixed up and it's like, what is this? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. So I want to actually, let's reverse this for our American listeners, because American listeners are probably justifying it. Well, they're just trying to show China's pretty or something. Well, (laughs) let me, you know, last time I was in San Francisco and I was looking at, you know, the Statue of Liberty, I went over to like the capital of America and I was talking to the president. (laughs) Like, it doesn't make any sense, you know, like the Statue of Liberty is in New York. Yeah. San Francisco has the Golden Gate Bridge. Exactly. And if you like in one place, the other thing is not there. It matters. It does matter. It completely out of context and it makes, it's (laughs) silly it's it's just ridiculous it's so silly and then like that's why regardless of how you know shang chi the new movie how well i'm not gonna say it's bad but you know it wasn't it didn't live up to my expectations but still like if you want to do something crazy make a crazy uh background you know like make it a fantastical world not a real life america real life china because if you make it real if you make your movie more realistic then you know, at least be true to it in some ex- to some extent, we could actually make this story. There could be a girl who does end up going to Shaolin Temple for some reason, and you know it's not completely off base. But then you have to actually base it on where the Shaolin Temple is and like the fact, the way that it would be, because I don't think they're just sitting around the river looking at how pretty things are. Yeah, I I couldn't bring myself to really watching the show. I have to say this, this is the perfect opportunity for me to plug my wife's big crush again. Oh, so the Hong Kong actor, you know the Shaolin. Shaolin 
Shaolin Kung Fu uh, and uh, Shaolin Soccer. Yeah. Oh, Stephen Chow. Yes, yeah, Stephen Chow. She she has a huge crush on him. Has a picture next to her computer. <laughs> what reminds me about it is he actually is a big promoter of Shaolin Kung Fu. Yeah. So like the reason he made Shaolin Soccer is to like show off Shaolin Kung Fu and to say that it philosophically. If you watch the movie, the movie is a testament to how he thinks the philosophy of Shaolin Kung Fu could in, be everywhere and ubiquitous with life and it would increase the happiness of everyone's life. So there are people who are into that, but it's not super common in China that people know any kind of martial art, actually. <laughs> like some old people know Tai Chi because it's kind of an exercise thing yeah. they do in the morning. Yeah. But Chinese people aren't sitting around like learning Kung Fu. I know, but we like, did joke about during, <laughs> you know, when everyone's uh, doing a quarantine at home in the beginning of the pandemic you know there's a girl who was um uh like a an official wudang ambassador like she practices this ancient mm. chinese uh, martial art and she there's a video of her that went super viral is uh, the video is her going downstairs to just toss some trash in the uh, in the trash can and right after she did mm. she just took over the beard and then just spears just started to do these really cool moves and flips and whatever and i was like oh my god mm. that is so insanely awesome i wish i could do that i love seeing people doing kung fu but like you're absolutely correct like 99.99% of the people that you meet do not know anything yeah. <laughs> like we yeah. can't practice it. I mean, I have actually, I was at a dinner party, I don't know, five, five years ago with my wife's uncle and he actually uh. brought, he br always brings really cool people around to dinner. And so he had this like martial artist there, this woman who was about 25, I guess at the time. And he, at one point he's like, oh yes, show, show Jason your Kung Fu. And I was like, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> does not have to be for me. But anyways, she stood up <laughs> and she started doing like flips and somersaults around oh my the room. God. I was like, oh wow, <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. This is, this is to tell Jason to behave himself. <laughs> yes. He's told me that before. Yeah. So. <laughs> not just with Kung Fu. Yes. Definitely. behave. It's not a Jason. performance for you to enjoy, Jason. This is a, this is a, a warning. Well, I can't, I don't want to give away too much, but he does have some kind of job pertaining to the police too. So Jason really does need <laughs> to behave. <laughs> I guess it works. You know, we still have about 10 minutes and I wanted to, I think we can kind of move yeah. this show towards what can we do to get to know each other better? Like America, I don't mean by you and me, but like Americans and Chinese and like, you know, people around the world, Europeans and, and Chinese and, yeah. and, and Canadians and yeah. whatever, like people around the world. What are the kinds of steps that we should be taking to, because we live in one world, we have to share it. We all need to conquer climate change together. We need to conquer like yeah. hung, global hunger together. We need to conquer inequality yeah. together. These are things that we all need to be working on as one human team everywhere in order for us to overcome these challenges. And part of, I think, that that journey is not just working together, but in order, we need to do some team building. Am I right? <laughs> yes, and make that business. <laughs> no, but um, I I think for, for that, I've always been saying this, um, it's, you know, as I was kind of going through different sorts of communications and different styles of thinking with people from other cultures. And I've always said that the nowadays are, you know, with the access to internet and technology, it gives people this illusion that they could yeah. have a quick 
um, access to the information that、mm. they need, and then whatever they get is the information、mm. they're looking for,、mm. and that is not true. That is so not true. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, it can be so off base. It can give you a warped perspective on exactly.、Something. It gives. There's so many steps in the process of the information being collected, processed, and published on the internet till it gets to you. That it could be, you know, intentionally or unintentionally manipulated to serve whatever pu- mm. purpose, mm. and you can't really as the receiving end. It's Very hard for you to immediately identify all of those things just by reading the article or, or or watching that YouTube video. So my suggestion and what I've been trying to do is always to talk to people that、yeah. are in that culture, that are in that issue, that are you know actually living that problem. It might not always be met with you know a positive response. Sometimes people feel like you're just trying to. You know, fulfill your own curiosity instead of really caring about them,、mm. but always make that effort to really, really do that, and then including, including, preparing yourself to always come into a conversation with you know this humility, humility. and know that you know people are not always going to understand you immediately, and this thing. I so I was a translation interpreting major in college, so we studied a lot about、mm-hmm. you know cultural customs and people's thinking habits, and when you know intercultural communication exchange、uh, happen, what could possibly go wrong? And nowadays, people are like, oh, we have you know cloud computer, we have AI helping us to translate. And people just walk around with these translation tools, and it works when you're just trying to ask for directions and it tell you go down the street, make a left. Of course, it's easy, but language is the the ultimate, you know, the ultimate fruit of cultures, and cultures are something that's built, you know, over millennia、mm-hmm. and every day, every second of the cult, the culture, how it came to become, decides what it is,、um, and then it shows in the language. So those little translation tools, like. Use them to get like simple information, but I wouldn't use it to because I have had friends、uh, living here,、uh, both Chinese and foreign friends, actually misunderstanding each other because the translation said this, this, and that, and then I would I looked at the original. You know, text. I was like, no, that's not what they meant at all. But the translation makes it either sound a lot more offensive or makes it sound a lot more disinterested than、mm-hmm. what the original text says. So I would say, just always try to reach out and, and take initiative, and also just always be more understanding. Like I said, give people a second chance to explain and not just immediately jump to you know the、uh, the the defending states. I think we need to look at the way that society works. So if we、uh, we're asking like everyone. And say, let's just choose a city. Let's say、uh, everyone in Los Angeles can't all just go learn Korean and like all learn about Korea. <laughs> What we need is different people to take. And you, and obviously, I'm not going to be able to learn like five thousand languages and study about a hundred or two hundred and six countries. So I think what we need is people to just take up an interest in a few other cultures and like try to learn about them in a respectful,、yeah. humble way from people who are from there. If everyone in Los Angeles learned about one other culture really well and understood the values of this other culture really well, then Los Angeles would be one of the most amazing places in the world to live because they could all have a better understanding of people from all over the world. I think there's a misunderstanding by Americans. That America is because it is like made up of people from elsewhere that it understands elsewhere, but I don't think that enough people are from elsewhere.、Yeah. And you know, another th- another step too. A lot of people I know 
they traveled to somewhere and now they think, okay, I, it's like they <laughs> caught a Pokemon and now, okay, I went to France for a month. Now I know France. No, you don't. Yeah. I know people who came to China for like six months or a year and they went home and they don't know anything about China. Yeah. Like I, I've been living here 10 years and I'm still learning all the time. Yeah. So again, humility and like open eyes and like, you know, every cult, all these other cultures are made up of families. They're made up of people. They're made up of different cultures within a, of themselves. And I think that a lot of humility is required. Yeah. Like re- watching a TED talk or reading a Wikipedia article is not even a first step. That's like you just decided to yeah. like, that's like, you know, the first word in a book. You've got to really go far to get that deeper understanding. Yeah. And from a, not a, you know, I wouldn't say professional, but just from working experience, there's a, a really good tip that I'd like to put out there for people who are interested in knowing other cultures and trying to, or if you're a business person, you're trying to uh, work in a different culture or you have to do business in a different culture. There are a lot of articles on the internet that says like, you know, 10 things you have to know about going to China or like, this is how Chinese people do business. Mm, mm, And mm. you, you, you replace China or Chinese with any other country at all. There's like, you know, gazillion articles on online that you could look at. But for me, I wouldn't even look at those, those articles when you're trying to really do something. If you go to any culture with respect, no assumption, if you don't try to assume like a condescending position of yourself, like that's a good place to start. And when you're, once you're there, when you could start from that spot, then you really, what really would help is to rate on, rate up on, you know, the general history and don't try to go for the controversial part of the history or, or you know, like things, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, if you're actually curious or you need to know a culture, know the general history of this culture, this group of people, this country, this region, and then you know, look at the holidays they observe, look at, you know, how this place was first started and what are the major milestones in history that this group of people have, you know, achieved mm. collectively. Um, even look at the weather, you know, it's things that are not easily manipulated. Um, and then mm. know those mm. facts and then really think about how those historical facts and, you know, these geographical effects how this country operate and how its people uh, think and, and do things because, you know, in geo- in geography classes, it would tell you the reason why this country is, mm, you know, mm, heavy mm. on agriculture is because it's built on the river and it's, yeah. it, you know. The history of the Yellow River shows up so many times in culture in, in China. Right. So th- that's the hard way to understand a culture, but that's the right way to understand a culture. If you're just looking at, oh, 10 things to do and not do in a culture, <laughs> I I, I understand that people need that kind of information but that kind of information needs to be based on you know fundamental understanding of another culture and then you could look at some ways to help you navigate better if you don't do the first step then it's kind of lazy and looking for shortcuts again it might not be as helpful if you really want to get to know another culture a couple things number one we're talking because the people who are listening to us and are who those people who are going to take this advice are firstly you know well done guys for you know thinking about starting so you know you are uh, ideal but when, one thing you mentioned is controversial history but also i would say any kind of media that's saying something negative about another place and people you needs to be discounted if you want to know about those people in that place you need to read media that is trying to help you understand those people and what's going on from their perspective not 
something that's attempting to cast them as like something that there's something wrong with these people. And because a lot of media comes out like that. They're like, ah, what's going on in this other places <laughs> like X and Y and Z. And that's really bad. And like, uh, OK, that's the exact kind of stuff people should not be put reading. aside the bias and really try to get to know another another. Culture. I think you started off right. It's about making friends and asking questions. That is a probably the best starting point for people like go make some friends who are from the place that you're interested in in whether it be about a chinese person learning about americans or american people learning about chinese or whatever like go and make a friend from that place or two because different people are going to have different ideas about that place yeah and like you know just talk to them and listen listen make sure you're listening to what they're saying yeah and don't make assumptions you know yeah well, that is all the time we have. Alex, always a great pleasure speaking. Lovely getting to know you better too, Jason. <laughs> <laughs>